The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de church people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Uh, well, good morning. It's so good to see you all here. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, good, good. Uh, missed you guys last week. Um, I was down in Slow guest worship leading at a church uh, called Mountain Brook down there. And it was cool to get to know them and, and uh, really see how they're impacting Slow for God. It, it's always encouraging for me to, to see other people that I don't really know, but they serve the same God that, that you and I do. Um, and I heard things went really well here with Sean and, and with Cameron. And uh, so thank you, really, as a church, I think I want to say, for being so welcoming for, to anyone who, who steps on this stage. And so, yeah, you saw Traven's back. Uh, I actually married him. I was thinking about this as we were worshiping last year. And it's just cool to see life and, and, and how people grow. And when you get to journey with people together and you, you really get to see what's happening in their lives. And, and it's just a testament of God. And um, it, it, it's so fulfilling for me to see that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say I found it quite funny. When I was down there at Mountain Brook, um, and so in between services, people came up to me and, you know, oh, it's nice. And um, where are you from? Are you visiting from out of town? And I said, not really, you know, just, just up in Paso. Oh, Paso. Yeah, I've heard about that place. Never been. <laughs> and I'm like, it's 30 minutes. You know that. Or you can get on a bicycle and, and actually... <laughs> It's funny. It's just funny. Growing up in New York, um, we would drive for hours at a time to go to one place. And it's just funny. The perspective is so different for all of us, isn't it? Yet it's so important how we see things, how we, how we view things. Speaking of perspective, I want to share a quick story with you before I uh, get into my message here. So there was this girl that went off to college, didn't contact her parents for a really long time, and, and then she started to feel very guilty about it. So eventually she put pen to paper and wrote this letter. Dear Mom and Dad, since I've left for college, I've been remiss in writing, and I'm sorry for my thoughtlessness in not having written before. I will bring you up to date, but before you read on, please sit down. Are you sitting down? Don't read on unless you're sitting down. I'm getting along pretty well. Now the skull fracture and the concussion I got when I jumped out of my dorm room window when it caught on fire shortly after my arrival. You know, it's healed up pretty well, and I only get those sick headaches a couple times a day. Fortunately, the attendant at the gas station witnessed the fire in my dorm and the jump. He ran over and took me to the hospital and continued to visit me there. When I got out of the hospital, I had nowhere to live because of the burnt-out conditions of my dorm. So he was kind enough to invite me in and to share his basement bedroom flat with him. Uh, It's kind of small, but very cute. He's a very fine boy, and we've fallen deeply in love and are planning on getting married. We haven't set the exact date yet, but it will definitely be before my pregnancy begins to show. (laughs) Yes, Mom and Dad, I'm pregnant. I know how much you are looking forward to being grandparents, and I know you will welcome the baby and give it the same tender care and devotion that you showed me when I was a child. The reason for my delay in the marriage is that my boyfriend has an infection, which I carelessly caught from him. I know, however, that you will welcome him into our family with open arms. He is kind, and although not well-educated, he is ambitious. Although he's of a different race and religion than ours, I know that you often express tolerance, so I know you won't be bothered by that. In conclusion, 
Now that I've brought you up to date, I want to tell you something. There was no dorm room fire. I did not have a concussion or skull fracture. I was not in the hospital, and I'm not pregnant. I do not have an infection, and there's no boyfriend in my life. However, I have failed my exams. <laughs> However, I have failed my exams, and I wanted you to see these results in its proper perspective. <laughs> Can you imagine parents getting a, <laughs> receiving a letter from your daughter that says, Dear Mom and Dad, I, I failed my exams. What? Wasting our money? How could you feel? But after you read all this, I feel my exams. Darling, you can fail all your exams, right? Just don't get pregnant. <laughs> fail your exams. Anyway, perspective, it's so important, isn't it? And, and you know, I've been thinking about this as, as this new year has started, 2013. 365 days of, of 2012 gone. And here we are, 20 days already into the new year. I love the start of something new, a new year. It always feels like a new chapter, um, maybe new goals for some of you, new direction. We've got a new pastor, that's new, right? Definitely a new chapter for Highlands. Um, for those of you that have only recently started to attend, I'll tell you, we started off in the movie theater in downtown Paso, and, uh, you know, this was being built uh, over the years, and then we moved in here, and we've had new staff members, um, now we have a new pastor. Highlands has been through a lot of change in a very short lifespan. And the fact is, change is part of life, isn't it? And the older you get, the more you realize change is inevitable. And I think the more we realize that, the easier we can kind of navigate through life and not be so surprised when things change. And every time things change, every time there's a new chapter, every time uh, new circumstances come into our life, we really experience new things. Uh, so we're living new life. And one of the things about us humans is, is that the positive experiences we have in life tend to get attached to stuff, right? Or to people, uh, to places, to things, to music. Uh, is there a song that when you hear it, it, it provokes some kind of emotion uh, from a memory in the past? Um, you know, you hear that song and, and, and you remember you were going to tell, tell the girl that you loved her, but she said she loved your best friend instead, or maybe that was just me. Um, <laughs> Or, or you hear that song and it reminds you of when you graduated high school and you were going to tell that girl that you... I'm just kidding. <clears throat> or, or you hear some song and it reminds you of an exhilarating moment, right? Like I the Tiger, uh, when the band Survivor, you know, came out with that. And, and it just, even to this day, when you hear I hear it. I still get pumped up and you want to do one-arm push-ups or, or drink raw eggs or whatever it is. I want to be Rocky. <laughs> Chariots of Fire, that's another one. That one seems to, it just makes you come alive, right? And why? Because as humans, we're, we're creatures of time and space. And, and, and God made us this way. He designed us in this fashion. And it's a, it could be a very positive thing because one of the things as human beings you want to do is integrate your life, right? Everything you've lived in the past, uh, learned in the past, you use it for, to live in the present and to create a better future. But sometimes we get the process wrong, don't we? It's, it's sometimes we seem to get trapped in the past, to be then disconnected from the present and then to ignore the future all together. There's a passage of scripture I want to read to you today, and this is where we're going to spend our time. It's in Isaiah, Isaiah 43. It'll be on the screens, uh, verses 16, 24. It says this, verse 16, This is what the Lord says. He made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. 
who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and there they lay, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland, The wild animals honor me and the jackals and owls because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. It goes on. Yet you have not called me upon me, O Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves from me, O Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense. You have not bought any fragrant calamus for me, or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. I I love this particular conversation God's having with Israel. You know, there there are moments in history where, where the conversation uh, just elevates, right? And, you know, there are times, the relationships that you have, uh, inter- introductory conversations that, that are more superficial on, on the surface level, and then there are conversations maybe that just let you know who I am and you tell me who you are. But then there's a level of relationship that goes deeper and, and more intense. And if it moves to a healthy place, um, there, there are levels of expectation that you have for one another, right? Uh, uh, levels of commitment, of trust, and, and even covenant. And this is one of those moments where God's having a conversation with Israel. And, and, and I think in many ways it actually deals with one of the most significant dilemmas we have as followers of Christ. One of the most difficult things in life is to get over a failure, isn't it? One of the most challenging things in life is to get over a moment where, you, where you're broken, shattered, or, or feel betrayed. And, and when things go bad, people understand that it takes some time for you to realign yourself, to kind of get yourself back together, to get to live your life in the direction that it should go. But then there are other times that are kind of surprising, and you're actually trapped in the past, not because of the pain that holds you there, but you're actually trapped there because of all the good that happened there. And you end up in this space of where, because of the sum total of all your history, of all your past, you're not prepared to face the moment you're in, the present. I don't know what 2012 was like for you, or even a few years before that. Um, I would imagine it's a combination of, of success, maybe huge successes and, and huge failures, and, and uh, moments of uh, celebration, uh, moments of disappointment. And you can probably look back on one moment last year and say, that was the best year of my life. And you can pick another moment and say, that was actually the worst year of my life. Anybody resonate with that? And, and, and you, you feel like you're almost trapped in this, um, this, this bipolar experience, right? You don't know actually which one it is, and a lot of it's really going to depend on what you choose to remember. But whether you're looking back on the past and, and you're focusing on the good or the bad, the danger is to get trapped there. And what's happening in this moment, this particular moment with Israel, is they're facing a new challenge. Now, they've been slaves forever, like forever, Uh, to the Egyptians, to the Babylonians, to the Persians, to the Egyptians, to the Romans. And really, Israel's history is is one of momentary freedom and a ton of bondage, slavery. So when people read the history and they say, you know, oh, God's been unfair, that he's given Israel an advantage and and treated them better 
I'm going, actually, have you read the history? This, if ever there's been a people that has been under more oppression, more hardship, more slavery, more bondage, more undesirable conditions, it was these guys. And so much of this was out of a response of being called the people of God. Because God held them to a higher standard, so he simply demanded more of them, more from them. And so he allowed more to happen to them so they can become the people they needed to become. So he let the Babylonians get away with stuff that he wouldn't let the Israelites get away with. He let the, the, the Egyptians get away with stuff that he wouldn't let the Israelites get away with. And, and, and there were times the Israelites said, wait a second, God, this is, this is not fair. This is not, look at them. They're worse than us. They're more destructive than us. They're more greedy than us. They're more evil than us. At least we're sort of worshiping you. At least we're trying to keep a high percentage of the commandment. At least we know the commandments. And God's saying, this is exactly why I'm holding you to a higher standard. It's because I'm using you as the pen with which I will write human history. And strangely enough, I believe this is what God invites you and I to do. A relationship with him where he uses us as the pen to write human history. So there's this verse, it's a pivotal verse, where it says, uh, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, but will you even be aware of it? Will you perceive it? This is interesting. He's trying to have Israel have a proper relationship with time. to, To build on the past, to live in the present, and to live for the future. And then building on the past is different from living in the past, isn't it? Uh, and there's a kind of a, a peculiar passage here. You know, you ever read the Bible and you just sort of pretend you know, like you understand it? You're like, oh man, it's so poetic. Horses, armies. That's just awesome. But let's pause for a second and, and pretend that this is supposed to make sense to us. Okay? So, so Israel is in captivity. And, and this is what it says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and there they lay, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. What is he talking about? Ironically enough, God, God is actually describing when he saved Israel from Egypt. And, and this is one of the thematic um, themes, uh, stories in the Bible. Uh, remember, if you go through the Bible, by the way, if you haven't read the Bible from beginning to end, I would, I would really encourage you to do that. It's easy to sort of pick books and chapters, but Read the whole thing. It's the beginning of the year. It's a perfect time to start. But if you go through the Bible, you'll, you'll see this phrase, remember, 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 remember. And normally that phrase, remember, is all about this moment. When the story, when the Israelites were in captivity to the Egyptians, and God raised up Moses, right? And he said, let my people go. And, and he, went to, uh, he went to Pharaoh and did that. And then, and then after that, right, he sent him out on the wilderness. And... Um, and he parted the waters, right, in the Red Sea. And they wandered in the wilderness for years. And God is saying, do you remember how I did all this? And then I brought water out from the rock because they were in the desert. And, and, and how I brought manna from heaven. Then I sent meat from the sky. And God's saying, remember all of this. And now he's saying, forget it. Put away the former things. Do not dwell on the past. You ever feel like God's confusing you? I have. That's for sure. Can you imagine Israel hearing this theme of remember, 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 forget, forget it? And there's a difference between remembering something and, and, and being trapped in the memory of it. And Israel had remembered what God had done so much 
that they thought that was the last best moment of their life. And so now they're in captivity to the Babylonians. And they just kept remembering what God did instead of believing in what God would do. Put away the former things. Do not live in the past. So as we begin the new year, um, perhaps this is a good beginning point for all of us to, to, to consider, uh, to stop living in the past, to build on the past. You're not supposed to have amnesia from the past. It's important to remember everything that God has done. It's important to remember every failure uh, that you've encountered because uh, you learn from them, right? It's important not to forget these things because they make you who you are. You know this. And so intelligent memory is good. You need it. We all need it. But, but some people just seem to never learn from their mistakes. If you're like me, you know a lot of people like that. Seems, sometimes I've been in that situation. Sometimes perhaps you've been. And you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And I think what God is saying is, here's how I want you to remember your life, to glean and to extract from your past experiences those things that you need for today and for tomorrow. But we have to be careful not to live in the past. You have to believe that your future is better than your past. And I wonder today if you, if, if you believe that for 2013. If, are, are you leaning into it with a sense of excitement uh, that tomorrow will be better than yesterday? No matter how bad, you know, if 2012 was bad, that just meant God had uh, more learning for you to do and, and uh, to prepare you for a better year. And if, if last year was just amazing and great, and then you might be in danger of being like Israel and remembering and, and thinking the best days are behind you, not in front of you. So we need to build on the past, live in the present. Put away the former things. Do not live in the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I love that. I'm convinced. I know for me, when, when I hold on to old things, I can literally feel my life sort of slipping away. But when you allow the new to be born, uh, and formed in you, you start to feel more alive again and more full. And there's something wonderful uh, about the way God designed us. You know, we're designed for the new. Try to live on yesterday's oxygen. That doesn't work, is it? Uh, try to live on your last breath, the one you just, the one you just had. I, I mean, if you try to live on your last memory, it's as foolish as living on your last breath. It means you've assi- assigned yourself to, to perish. And one of the hard things about living in the present is that we can look back on the past in very selective ways, can't we? And so we can remember the things that, that make us feel good, and we'll feel good about it. But the present, it, it demands our full attention. Um, it's, it's really hard to be fully present. It's easy to think about the past or to dream about the future, but to be fully present that's really hard in this moment just to be right here, right now, nothing else. And technology certainly hasn't made this any easier, has it? It's way harder. I mean, and we're all so connected. We're too connected. Uh, people text, you know, at the stoplight. I've done that before. I'm trying to work on that. Um, or, or a lot of times you have, you're having these conversations and you're getting that text tone, right, or incoming call. And most of those times, those incoming messages are not important, and it distracts you from being present. Uh, you know, we've all seen it, those silent couples at the restaurants that, that they're staring intently at, not themselves, but at their iPhones. It's kind of hilarious, but, but sort of sad. And it's become this, 
beautiful distraction, or so we seem to tell ourselves. You know, there's some people that are even inventing products. Uh, they're trying to invent products that, that sort of require and almost force you to be present. The reason we have a hard time being present is, is because to be present, it requires a certain uh, level of sensitivity to this, this moment, to pay attention to what God is doing right now. Uh, and the thing is, nobody else can do that for you. No one else can be there for you. It's very personal. It's all about you in, in that moment. And to not be distracted with yesterday or, 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 or thinking about tomorrow, to not worry uh, about yesterday or for tomorrow. Worry seems to be one of these things we, man, we all struggle with it, don't we? And it's something that seems to consume so much of our life uh, to the point where it even becomes crippling sometimes. If we're honest, we worry about a lot of things, don't we? Hey, there's this woman I heard, I heard uh, she, was, she couldn't sleep at night because she was so worried that her house would be robbed. I mean, just, just full of worry. So one night her husband heard something downstairs, so he went downstairs, and sure enough, there was this burglar robbing their house. And, and he said to the burglar, could I possibly take you upstairs to meet my wife? She's been waiting to meet you for 12 years. <laughs> A real burglar, you know, can steal from us one night, but worry steals from us night after day after day, night after night, doesn't it? And, and it steals our attention, it steals our beliefs, distracts us from our faith. I was doing a little research on, on worry and anxiety, and I found some interesting stats. Did you know that most people's anxiety is preoccupied with 40% of things that will never happen, 30% of things relating to the past that cannot be changed, 12% of things relating to other people's criticism, which is generally untrue. 10% of things relating to health, which often gets worse with stress and, and negative thoughts. And, and then only 8% of the time are we anxious about real concerns. 8%, that's it. We add 92% onto that. You know, it's so, it's so easy for us to get caught up in the past, to worry about something uh, that, that may even never happen. Worrying that, that perhaps our best days are behind us. Last year was so good. How am I going to do any better this year? Uh, I wonder if, how many of us are willing to leave the success of yesterday to deal with today and the present and, and for what God is doing and how in your life. Are you willing to build on the past but live in the present so that you can live for the future? Put away former things. Do not live in the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. And, and here's the line, but will you even be aware of it? Will you perceive it? And then there's this sort of beautiful but strange poetic imagery. It says in the script, I will make a way in the desert, streams in the wasteland, the wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed myself, that they may proclaim my praise. And this is what God's saying. He said, look, in the past you were standing against an ocean of water, right, in the Red Sea, and I parted that water and I gave you dry land so you could cross. Stop looking for me to do that again. You're in a desert. It doesn't work that way. I can't exactly part the desert. It doesn't work as a metaphor, as you wander through the desert, I'm going to bring you water out of the wasteland so that you have drink. And the miracle I'm going to do is not, not this one of deliverance and, and of setting you free, but, but, but it's going to be this miracle of abundance in a place that has nothing. I'm going to teach you how to survive in a dark and dry land. Stop looking in the wrong places. Because if you keep looking for me in the past, you will miss me in the future. And, and this is what I believe God is saying for us today, what God wants to do with us today. 
and in the future may be very different from what he did with us in the past. And we have to be aware of today. Is, is, possible, is it possible that maybe what you had, God had you doing last year was just to prepare you for an entirely new chapter this year? Remember, Jesus, um, what was he doing before he started ministry? He was 33, right, when he started that. What was he doing all his years before? He was a carpenter. And, you know, he, so he went from carpenter to, to this performer of miracles because that's a very obvious next step in your career, right? <laughs> uh, what God wants to do with you in the future may be very different than what he's going to do with what he did with you in the past. So I, I know this without any doubt as we begin this new year. Um, there's a future that God imagines for all of us. And our, 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 our participation is required to, to activate that future. Um, and this won't happen unless we engage with the future, with courage, with, with determination, with being present. It's hard, I know. But I would challenge you, uh, as God's been challenging me, to to be present, to be able to discern what God is doing now, not yesterday, not tomorrow, but now. And, and I believe that 2013 can be the best year that we've all lived if, if, if we build on all the years in the past and live today. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so grateful for who you are um, and for calling us your sons and daughters. And I pray that you would restore our devotion to you and Give us the ability, you know, and David prayed in the Psalms, give me an undivided heart that, that we would be able to be present in our relationships with, with our family and loved ones and, and the community, everyone, and, and our relationship with you, that we'd be able to discern what you are calling us to do. And give us the faith. We know that you love us. And so we thank you for that and pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de church people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.